would say, if not the fundamental, one of the most fundamental parts about consciousness and communication is that ability to filter, you know, uh, and to be able to um, filter both ways, you know, on the output as well as on the input. Yeah. My ability yeah. to focus on what you're saying right now and not on, you know, the hundreds of other pieces of stimulus that are hitting me at this point of time, that's part of it. Yeah. And then at the same time, mm -hmm. you have like the, the ultimate capacity of a human is to know about this filtering, right? So being able, being able to be conscious about the fact that you are filtering machine in both, on both ends. So on your input, you have to, you have to know that you're biased always because this is who you are. You're like, yeah. as a human, you're always biased because you have to make decision quick because you need to react to reality and you have very little, like this uh, estimation is 40 bits, like 40 bits per second is a very low bandwidth, right? And yeah. you taking in only 40 bits per second have to make life and death decisions, company decisions, design, whatever you do, right? Then on the output as well, you have only that much, right? Conversation is probably the best, like when we can just see each other, we, yeah. we, we kind of archive with this, with this additional context we create through yeah. our shared history, through our shared language, through emotions we communicate to our bodies, we, mm. can, we can put together a lot more information, right? Yeah. But we're still very limited in the amount of information we can output. Yeah. So in both cases, we, we, we know that we, we're never going to be, you know, uh, in totality. We're never going to take in all the world and we're never going to let out everything we would like maybe to let out, right? Yeah. We're always going to be this, we're going to, we're always going to be super small compared to the world, yeah. right? Yeah. And we also always going to have a lot more inside us than we can give to the world. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll also have to contextualize it, you know, to, to give a simple example, it's like when we started text messaging each other because of what, you know, you rightly pointed out, you have these body language, other visual cues, you didn't have that, so you had to add emoji to it. Now take that to the brain machine interface, right? And I have to send a concept message to you, or maybe something very simple, like maybe I have to say, hi, Ilya, how are you doing, right? And yeah. how are you doing could be, not just how are you doing it could be uh, you know it could be mafia how are you doing you know that would be a threat or it could be a friendly how are you doing or i really don't care how are you doing let me get on to the next sentence how are you doing right how do i contextualize that and i'm pretty sure that that is going to be an interesting thing to watch you know how does the how does our brain machine interface handle not just the uh, the idea behind so is it actually going to that abstraction where it's no longer how are you doing? Is it just an inquiry of your well-being which actually goes across or a threat as the case may be, right? Yeah. Or is it actually uh, the words uh, which sort of in you know whatever language that you understand, it actually comes across to you in that language with the context attached to it through whatever visual, whatever it means, I don't know, but it'll be very interesting to see how that goes, you know, I, and I don't know yeah. whether any of us can really predict how that's going to look like, you know, or how that's going to feel like actually at that stage. Back to what you just recently said about uh, uh, language, right? How, how syntax is uh, different. 
but mm -hmm. maybe underlying structures are the same because hardware of our brain is the same. So maybe despite being different cultures, which we, we know from anthropology, right? Despite being completely separated for sometimes hundreds, thousands of years, humans do share few things, right? We, we, we all have universal, we have one instinct, right? We, we learned that we don't have many as uh, animals do. Um, yeah, animals as well, but we just nicer animals or worse animals, I don't know. But we have this uh, eyebrow, you know, eyebrow thing. So if you see someone you like, you always your eyebrow will go up and you cannot control that. And this is the only one that I know today, which is, um, seems to be an instinct, right? Yeah. So there's probably going to be more things like that. So at the same time, we did develop cultures and languages and languages are different. And the biggest mistake one can make is to try to kind of translate directly, right? You learn in Russian and you say, okay, what is the word for table? And you find word for table and you think this table means table, but actually in this culture, in this context, it has so many other connotations, so many other meanings, right? So when I was learning English, someone shared with me a book, I don't remember the name already, but I remember the concept and idea was that lady actually learned a bunch of languages and then she stepped back, look at all of that and say, okay, instead of learning languages like that, we need to figure out underlying concepts. So there's like, how are you is a concept. It's evolved in, 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 in American language in one way, in British a bit differently. And there's like, uh, not one actually, maybe four or five different concepts you can communicate through saying, how are you? The speed yeah. and context will change what you yeah. actually mean. And if you learn these concepts and understand what they mean, so it could be a replacement for high. It could be a meaningless, meaningless phrase you say at the beginning, just to be polite, right? In, in, in Russia, we have uh, how are you, which can literally translate how are you doing, right? But it means a completely different thing. You have to complain. Like if I ask you in Russian, how are you doing? You have to tell me how horrible things are for you. And this will be a shared, shared conversation. This is polite, right? It's not polite to don't yeah. complain about your life, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the in, in, in US, if you do that, you will be perceived as a breaking boundary, breaking protocol, like what are you doing? Why? I ask you, how are you? And suddenly you start talk, talking exactly. to me about how, how, how horrible your things are, <laughs> right? Yeah, maybe in American language, if you say, how are you? Like the only proper answer is to be, be to show that you're still capable to express excitement, right? Oh, I'm good, nice, awesome, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe after this ritual is finished, maybe conversation will go other way. And you say like, actually things are a bit sad at the moment, right? And you'll go maybe into complaining about stuff, but this will be done later. It's not part of yeah. this yeah. exchange, right? Smoke talk have to be positive. Otherwise, like, you know, positivity is the most important thing, I think, for, for American conversation, right? Exactly. It yeah. cannot be negative. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about this intelligence amplifier thing. Do, do you want okay. to talk about that? Absolutely. So I learned about intelligence amplifier from Brian. And uh, I slowly start putting it all together, trying to figure out what is it this guy is talking about. And uh, my understanding is that he envisioned uh, ultra personal computing, right? So if you look at the history of personal computer, it started with um, maybe Alto at Xerox Park, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a few other um, experimental things. Yeah. It started to be at scale with, um, with probably Commodore or then later, yeah this manifestation of it become one of the best manifestations became a Mac. The first Mac was this, you know, with a handle, personal, very personable yeah. uh, computer, and it yeah. definitely changed the world. And Apple 
still up to this day in my mind this company which have this idea of personal computer and still exploring what it actually means yes <clears throat> what's that personal device which you you know literally use for computing yeah you know personal uh, and computer they're not just uh, words that's the core concept of what they're looking to yeah build. yeah one of the favorite quotes I have and one of the core principles for me in the way I understand computing is the bicycle for the mind, right? Mm -hmm. This idea that um, Steve Jobs shares this concept that on a bicycle, human being is the most efficient, uh, the most, the most uh, fast animal in the, in the kingdom, right? So yeah. if you don't have a bicycle, you, you're kind of in the middle, not that great. But if you have a bicycle, you, mm -hmm. you suddenly, and human beings, defined through building tools, right? We, we, we would not be where we are today if we will not be for, for building tools, if we will not be this strange creatures which uh, have some agility, but then extend ourselves, right? In, yeah. in many, many different ways. And our brain is, is very much this machine which is capable of adjusting to pretty much anything, right? This super flexible, very expensive gray matter which eating like 30% of our resources, we put yeah. in our body, but pain off this ability to collaborate, create tools, work together, believe in, in abstractions, and keep building, building, building. <laughs> so when Apple did this Macintosh, Macintosh was at the time manifestation of a bicycle for your mind, right? For me today, my personal perspective is uh, iPad is this bicycle for your mind. And yeah. This evolution, like, it, interesting for me to think about what changed, right? <clears throat> iPhone bring up touch interfaces. And mm -hmm. uh, what is magical about touch interface is that you can screw your UI completely. It could be horrible. Yeah. But if it's still touchable, people will explore it, touch, 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 touch. So Figure it out. Yeah. Or we'll try yeah. to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's approachable. The, the level of, so why? My understanding is because it's fundamental for human being to be able to touch. Yeah, sure. And this is something I started to put under this, this bucket of natural interfaces. Yeah. So what else we do, like we talk, as we do right now, we look at each other. And yeah. a look may be meaning something, right? I look at you one way, you feel that you, I'm accepting you. I look at you other way, you feel yeah. as though I'm horny about you. I look at your third way, you feel as though I hate you, right? Yeah. The look could be very powerful. Looking yeah. or not looking at someone can mean very different things in a context. I look at you, it could be confrontation. I yeah. look at you, it could be admiration, right? The look is very powerful. The touch is very powerful. If I touch another person, it always means something. I yeah. touch you as a sign of the support. I touch you as, as I, I pushed you, like I hate you. I, I touch you as well. This touch is very powerful as well. Pointing yeah. on things as well. Like if I look at you and I point at you, this is very powerful statement. Powerful. Try doing this on the outside. Try going and just point on someone. It means yeah. a lot. It's it's a it's a it's a message, right? Yeah, it's a gesture. A Absolutely. Yeah. These computers, when when Mac has started, right? With a computer, you have this mouse. You have a pointer to click and and, and click click. And and before that, we discussed with you last time. You have you have very powerful text-based interfaces, right? Command line. And it still like it still exists as extremely powerful way of capturing conversations. Yeah. I would argue that that terminal, the command line interface, yeah. in many ways reminiscent of this idea of conversation, you're talking with your computer. Yeah. Then 
visual interfaces for a while were kind of looking good, but not really, interaction was not that great. Not yeah. at all. <clears throat> and then iPhone happened. Kind Touch. Yeah. And it suddenly became a lot more natural again and fluid and the, the, what we expect from the computer change. And then yeah. iPad, and then suddenly you have, you have this, you know, pencil and pencil like, if you think about pencil, this is one of the oldest tools we have. Like you, you grab a, a stick and you draw something on the ground and yeah. it's, it's communicating something, right? <clears throat> so suddenly I started to see how everything I would put in a category of natural interfaces Mm -hmm. Apple started step by step, step by step, putting it all together, trying yeah. to say, hey, let's say yes to everything which is natural for human, to the yeah. voice, to the touch, to yeah. the drawing with, it, with something. They incredibly improved recently with last models. They improved yeah. audio mm -hmm. output and input recently. They, they start doing this studio microphones by default on less and iPad and, yeah. and, and, and right? So what I see is that they're going in this direction of supporting natural interfaces. Back to intelligence amplifier, what intelligence amplifier as a vision is saying is that the next step mm -hmm. have to be this constantly on from your birth device, which capable to complement your memory is completely coded of all of your experiences. Right. Support conversations with you so that you can reflect on your experiences understand the way you think so that it can help you to augment your thinking. Mm -hmm. It have to be completely personal. So there's no cloud storage or nothing like that. It's turning everything on the device. Right. And legally, it should be you. It shouldn't be an assistant. It shouldn't belong to any corporation. It have yeah. to be you. This yeah. device, what is accumulated, the sum of its experiences is you. Yeah. And the way Brian is showing how it will manifest itself. Mm. He's showing it to death. Like the way Brian is showing that is he showing this video clip okay. when someone just went in a car crash and died. Right. Right? right. But this, someone had this device, right? Presumably. Yeah. And then a kid of this person able to talk with them yeah. after their death because their voice, their thoughts, all the sum of their experiences, everything they may be never had time to express fully. Remember, we just talked about this. We have inside us, we have this world, right? And even with our loved ones, we never had all the time to uh, explain what we think about stuff, right? Yeah. Maybe it was not the right time for you to, to hear my thoughts about how you grew up and how yeah. you screwed up or anything, right? Maybe, yeah. maybe I will be dead by the time we could have this conversation. Yeah. But maybe if I capture all of that and... Yeah. Uh, it will be truly still me. Like yep. you could have, imagine, imagine you could go back and have conversation with your father or father of your father or, 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 or mother of your father or someone you admire, maybe Einstein or maybe, or maybe anyone, right? Yep. And you know this is not exactly this person, but it is some of their experiences. This is manifestation of them. This is mm -hmm. the actually true legacy talking to you. And instead of reading and reading and reading and see how they projected themselves in the world, you mm -hmm. could actually have a conversation. You can actually say, hey, Einstein, what do you think about this theory I have? Yeah. And Einstein will answer you and be able to support conversation about that. Mm -hmm. So this is what 
what Brian is calling intelligence amplifier. And uh, this idea of the last interface manifested in it. 